preview of our guest tonight. We'll have other important things to say about the international situation. Yes, I suppose there are toady field fans in this world. It's a sobering thought. Are there toady? What is what does toady fields do? I keep confusing her with Dodie Goodman and a guy that had a, a marimba band. Toady, what the? What is what is toady? What the? <laughs> it's a sobering thought. Of course, there are many sobering thoughts. And for those of you friends tonight who are interested in sobering thoughts, we bring you the following program. First, a musical interlude. Hooray for Toadie, 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 Goodman, and all the other great people. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Quack, 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 quack their life away hey, on the Johnny Carson Murphy Show. Ho, 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 Mike Douglas, too. Ho, 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 Steve Allen, Dave Frost, and Dick Cabot with a ho. Quack, 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 it goes. Quack, quack, quack. Yes, sirree. Quack, quack, quackity. Quack, 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 quack. Oh, quack, quack, quack. Oh, ho, 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 ho. I got a new picture, a new record, a new hoop oh, coming out. Oh, 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 plug, 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 go luck. Ha, 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 Quack, 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 quack,
commentary on the news. Let Johnny Carson try that some night. Let's get a couple of commercials out of the way here quick. Where are they? Yeah. I love that. How did you, did you like my musical interlude there? How about you, Herb? Did you like it or not? Yes, you did. You spilled your coffee all over your pants, your new corduroy knickers. <laughs> Our engineers have been way ahead of the hip styles for years. They've been wearing corduroy knickers as long as I've been working here. Of course, they are holdover from 1927 when they first started to wear them. Let's see. If you are... Lo- oh, yeah. Let's get this one out of the way real good. Let's see. Your ShopRite supermarket says, Why pay more for U.S. grade A rock Cornish hens? Now, you've been squirting your money all around the place. Paying too much, too much money for rock Cornish hens. They are now on sale this week at 35 cents a pound in ShopRite Supermarket, and you can't buy much for 35 cents a pound. At this fantastic low price, you can all sit around and munch Cornish hens until they come out of your ears. Or, if you prefer, there is U.S. Choice Shortcut Oven Ready Rib Roasts. Try saying that quick. At just 79 cents a pound. Shortcut Rib Steaks, just 89 cents a pound. Or California Chuck Pot Roast, 69 cents a pound. So why pay more in 71? Start your shopping New Year off right at... ShopRite. Mm-hmm. That was an effective spot, wasn't it? Hey, listen, uh, tonight I feel, you know, there's a... Any flyer types out there? Anybody out there who does any flying? Or is interested in flying? Flying news. I think we ought to, you know what we ought to do? We ought to have, uh, in our show here, we ought to have little little departments, you know, for various specialized interests, like uh, embroidery news. And every week we have a little five-minute period of embroidery music, you know, news, stuff what's happening in the embroidery world, or uh, let's say uh, Monopoly player news, and, you know, talk about uh, what's happening in World Monopoly. Uh, you know, there is a World Monopoly competition. You didn't know that? Why do you think you're paying so much for stuff? You're in a real Monopoly game, friends. (laughs) And you're one of the little pieces they move around. 
But uh, <laughs> didn't you see this vast monopoly game, the cosmic monopoly game, where the two vast monopolists are spinning the great wheel, the, the great needle of the great monopoly game? And the first one says, uh-oh, oh, it's your turn. The little thinner points. And uh, the second one says, uh-huh, move Herb Gillis up two points. Move him up two squares. Go back to go. And you wonder why you keep being moved arbitrarily in existence. You are in a game, friend. Oh, you'd like to hear uh, flying news tonight. Okay? From Weaverville, California, via the San Jose, California Mercury. <laughs> story breaks me up just to think about it. Listen to this. Weaverville. I've said for a long time, and I, and I know it's not a popular thing to say, but back in the 19th century, you know, let's get Shepard's pomposity factor comes out again. Back in the 19th century, it was a fact that the, that the civilization of the time moved from east to west. In other words, something groovy would happen on 14th Street, and two and a half years later, it would pop up in Olathe, Kansas. It was always from east to west. Well, the opposite is now true. New York City is probably one of the last of the great 19th century pest holes. And, uh, you know, garbage up to your knees and, and the narrow streets and guys fist fighting outside of cabs. There's a lot of, you know, the feel of New York generally is, is a little bit of late, uh, late uh, restoration London. You know, I can just see Tom Jones running down the street with a great big, uh, you know, a ham hock in his hand chasing a chick, yelling. And, and you know, it's, it's all here. It's uh, So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you see that parallel, don't you? Well, then, in uh, in uh, in our time, in, the, in our day, civilization is moving from west to east. Now, I didn't say good civilization, nor was it good civilization in the 19th century. It was civilization, and so good or bad, there it was. So, what's the first development? You know, here in New York, they're always yelling about, uh, you know, the noise out over LaGuardia or over JFK. You know what they're doing about it in L.A.? San Jose? Listen to this, friends. Weaverville. This is Weaverville, California. People who hate sonic booms are sending dollar bills to Trinity County Sheriff Tom Kelly so he can buy a jet fighter. <laughs> That's true. Why? Sonic booms are illegal in disguise over the mountainous northern California county by decree of the Board of Supervisors. There will be no sonic booms over northern California. Well, of course, uh, the board, irked by booms from jets, made it a misdemeanor to create a sonic boom. The county is about 100 miles north of Beale Air Force Base, and there's a lot of jets going around there, including transports, you know, like 707s and 747s, etc. Boom haters say that Sheriff Kelly needs the jet to swoop up and arrest the offending flyers. Let's celebrate the moving upward now there. All right, for Kelly. Here comes Kelly out there in his F-104, rising higher and higher. Did you see him, collar, did you see him collaring, uh, say, uh, American Airlines Flight 614 and herding them down under that field? You know, he gives a couple of blasts across the bow. Bam, bam. A couple of rockets. <laughs> Excuse me, we've just been pinched, folks. <laughs> Better do this. Hold it there. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, very good. His deputies say that the Jet for Kelly drive is growing like mad in California. But they will not disclose the amount till old Kelly comes back from his Arizona vacation where he's been taking some uh, uh, sharpening up on jet flying techniques, including, <laughs> including acrobatic air maneuvers, including a little uh, refresher course in, uh, in combat maneuvering. Some of the sheriff's admirers, now there's an argument going on out there in Weaverville, as to whether to buy him a Phantom 104 
Others are pushing for an F-111. You know anything about either of these babies? Kelly, who is a U.S. Navy dive bomber pilot in World War II, flies a civilian plane now as a hobby. In case you're curious, it's a Cessna 140. There's a world... <laughs> well, that's a little... It's a little uh, action news there from the aviation front. But now, can you imagine... Uh, uh, can you imagine the scene, though? For those of you who do not understand what a, say, an F-104 is, this is a potent weapon. And uh, even more potent is the F-111. All I got to say, though, a little word of advice to the Weaver County people who are getting all excited out there, the Weaverville folks. Buying an F-111 is only part of the problem. It's the upkeep. <laughs> of course, seeing you know, the down payment I want is like 14, grand, 14 million right there at the start. But the, once you get it going, it's an exciting thing to see. Fly over town with your sheriff in pursuit of a 747. And he lays out a couple of Sam rockets, you know, zap. This is the WOR in New York. Hey, listen, friend. You know one of the biggest hang-ups here in town? In fact, in every place in the country right now. I tell you, it's true in New York if you've ever tried to do it recently. And that is find a pad, find an apartment around New York. And if you are looking for a an apartment in this area, I have a, a word of advice. Uh, you know, a lot of people look through all the papers and all that, but wouldn't it be great if you could get some kind of a publication that has practically all the great apartments in this whole area, New York, Brooklyn, the village, Staten Island, the whole New York area, all in one thing, and right up to the minute, you know? Well, there is a new publication. In fact, you see them lined up for it every day down here, right at, uh, you know where Nathan's is down here on, on uh, Broadway? It's the truth. It comes out. I believe on Wednesday, and they all line up for it. It's called Apartment Mart. Apartment Mart, I repeat. In fact, I have the note here. It arrives every Friday morning, two days ahead of most other major apartment listings. As you know, most of the listings are in the big weekend papers and that. Well, these guys come out two days ahead on Friday, and as you know, you know, there's only one apartment. That's it. You get it, and that's the end of it. Apartment Mart lists apartments for rent what apartments are for sharing as well as exchanging. You know, people trade them here in New York. And they have cheap apartments on the Lower East Side if you want to go down to the village scene, or you can go all the way up to studio apartments on Sutton Place. And it's a real great thing. Now, if you want advanced copies, now listen to this. If you want advanced copies, now they're on sale at newsstands Friday, and it'll really help you. Uh, if you want advanced copies, call this number. It's area code 212 which, of course, is New York. Uh, that's New York, 799-3344. I repeat, 799-3344. Give them a call. And uh, you can get an advanced copy. Or go to the newsstand at Broadway and 43rd, which is in front of Nathan's, right here in downtown. And if, uh, if out of town, if you're out of town, and you'd like to know about apartments in this area, write apartment just apartment, care of WOR New York. And uh, you, they'll send you one right away. They'll get your, you know, they'll get your name and send you one right off. Now, that's Apartment Mart. It's called Apartment Mart. It's on sale, sale at most newsstands, particularly the one right down here at 43rd and Broadway in front of Nathan's. Or you can call right now, area code 212-799-3344. You know, that's, that may be a commercial, but, man... If you have done any looking for apartments, that is one of the biggest drags in the world. 
You ever really look for one around? Oh, what a pain in the you-know-what. I want to tug you. And, uh, and you know, you, you get... Uh, it's, it's irritating, too. Uh, and I, I'm not saying anything about any particular paper or not, but, you know, uh, <laughs> well, I better go any further than that. But I have... I, at one time, I was looking for an apartment uh, here a few years back in uh, New York, and, of course, New York, and uh, I've lived in New York ever since I've been out here, and... Yeah, I happen to be a Manhattanite. Now, most people, when they think of New York, they think of Manhattan. And I do live in Manhattan. And and uh, I saw some apartments through ads in papers and so on. I couldn't believe they had nothing to do with the description. You know, say, elegant two-and-a-half-room studio apartment with uh, maximum space and uh, quiet surroundings. And you, you arrive, seeing there's a fist fight going on down in front. There's 18 trucks with guys throwing out cans in the in the hall. And uh, you see this this grimy building, and you go up in the elevator. You know, it's the kind of elevator that you pull a rope. And uh, <laughs> I don't even, oh, man. And uh, well, let me tell you, if, if Apartment Mart had been around when I was looking for a pad, I'll tell you, I'd have been not only down there to get one, I'd have been there five hours before they got on the stand. Oh, what a drag. But, uh, you know, this this little story of, uh, if I may go, but we got a part of my sharp. Oh, Great Shanghai. Yeah, it's Great Shanghai night tonight, which means that uh, if you're going to be in town over the weekend, you know, fooling around, hey, listen, we got a great call here tonight. If I may interrupt this commercial for a minute while it's on my mind, uh, we have a couple of people, you know, phone calls come to the station all the time. I never take the phone, so don't call up and say, oh, talk to Shepard. <laughs> you... I don't, uh, I don't get on the phone. I, I'm past that stage. And uh, nevertheless, one of the guys took a call here. And uh, here's the way it went. Hello? And he says, yes. Hello, is this uh, Gene Shepard? No. No, madam, I'm sorry it isn't. Oh, it's Dr. Shepard. Yes, uh, I, I thank you for calling, but the, he doesn't take calls. Why not? Well, he, he's, uh, he's doing a radio program, and he doesn't want to talk to anybody that calls up. He's got other things to do. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm sorry, madam, but is there any message I can give him? Yes. Well, uh, what is it? Is he married? Well, uh, uh, we don't ordinarily give that information out, but actually, no, he's not. Oh, yeah, I thought so. Why do you say that? Well, uh, I'm married. He's, he's funny, right? Well, I, I find him kind of funny. Oh, yes, he's very funny on the radio, right? Well, I'm married to a comic, and he's not funny around the house. In fact, he's anything but funny. I'm married to this comic, see? And I want to know whether Shepard is funny around the house, too. And you ask him to tell me that on the radio. Is he funny around the house? Yes, madam. I'll ask him that. Thank you very much. Click. Next call. <laughs> I didn't invent that, did I, Jerry? Sounded just like her, didn't I? Every time I every time I do that, I... <laughs> you like that, don't you, Herb? Come on, it's grudging, you know. It's, it's nothing. Nothing is more difficult than to get a than to get a cameraman on a TV show or an engineer on a radio show to concede grudgingly he likes what's happening. <laughs> That's kind of well. Actually, they have a union clause about that. Uh, an engineer gets two and a half times his base rate if he's forced to enjoy the show he works on. So that gets to be very expensive. Plus the fact he gets two coffee breaks. Simultaneously. 
Well, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, you know, I'm thinking of this guy buying his jet fighter. And uh, that reminds me, uh, everything, I, you know, everything I see in life, I guess it's true of you, too. It's true of humanity. In fact, James Joyce made a career of it. Everything you see in life reminds you of something else, if you really look at it. Just seriously look at it. Just You look at a telephone, it'll remind you of endless bad scenes you've had, if you're at all introspective. Uh, if you look at <laughs> and many people aren't, if... Uh, if you look at a used car lot, you have endless scenes that have happened to you that involve used car lots. If you look at the sky, you can think of a bad thing that happened to you once on Flight 422. So, uh, you know, it's uh, just that way. But that story of the guy buying a jet fighter, and, uh, you know, the, what we're, we're, we're seeing increasing nationalism in our world. In other words, every little bitty community believes that it, uh, it should rule its whole universe. And so there's no sense of, of, of a larger community. So if one town doesn't like jets, it takes off and it'll shoot them down. Well, the jets involve themselves in the world thing, you know? And so we're getting to that increasing nationalist stage where people believe, ultimately, that they themselves are the most important thing in the world. And what occurs to anybody else is irrelevant. What occurs to them, of course, is relevant. And so this is a kind of supranationalism that's creeping throughout the world. It's, you can even see it in America, you know. Here we've got this thing. We're going to ban... Uh, America's decided it's going to ban supersonic jet transports. That's, that's the biggest joke in the world. That's like, uh, <laughs> that's like uh, say, uh, Guatemala in 1810 decides it's going to ban steamships. Well... <laughs> I don't think that it, they just go around it. That's all, <laughs> you know. Nobody comes anymore. That's the end of it. And, uh, and and we're that kind of people. See, we think we can ban something. We really, literally feel that we can just say no. They're not going to come here. We're fine. There's a lot of other places in the world. And uh, what will eventually happen, of course, America will be this little backwash with DC-3s plopping back and forth and and all the while there's fantastic uh, action going on in all the wars. But th this is part of our, part of our, you know, our feeling. We're, we're, getting, we're getting a little uh, uh, cockeyed in our romanticism about what we can do and what we can't do. And so fine, I say, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not arguing for the supersonic transport, but there ain't no way to ban it, friends, any more than that. Do you know that in 1900, I wonder whether any of you are aware of this. I suppose a lot of you are, but many of you probably aren't that one of the great arguments that occurred in 1920 and 21 involved an argument very similar to that. Do you know that there were large numbers of people in Congress that, and, and they had a lot of ear in a lot of places who wanted to ban radio? They wanted to ban the broadcasting of radio signals. It was a big issue in 1920 and 22. And they, they wanted to ban them on the premise that uh, nobody knew what dangers were inherent and that uh, it was going to electronically pollute the air and it was going to rot a lot of people's brains and everyone knows that electronic signals in the air are witchcraft anyway and probably result in sterilization. And, of course, all these things were true. Uh, many people are sterile now as a result of watching TV shows. And uh, many people's brains have rotted. <laughs> and, and, uh, down the line. But nevertheless, I wonder how many people are aware of that. That before, uh, before every, and, and it's always a great movement within the United States where they want to ban these things. And uh, so somebody said, well, yeah, but that's not going to stop from broadcasting signals in England or uh, Paris or Fran you know, or Germany or any other place. What's, that's the matter. We're going we're to start it. We're going we're to ban it. 
Well, there were a lot of people who voted that way and believed they could do it. That in uh, then you know what the next big one was. Oh, of course, they also believed too that uh, that electronic signals, you know, radio signals in the air, uh, caused infinite things to the marrow of the bones. There was a see because in and any time there's a big issue that is joined like this, five recognized scientists immediately leap up with proof. That's in quotes. And write a book on it. Do you know that one of the most famous radiology surgeons in the early 20s wrote a book that said that uh, within a short time, if radio was allowed to be used, you know, radio stations were on the air, that the vast majority of the people in the United States would die of bone cancer. That they, and, and it was highly believed, and several of the big New York newspapers took up that cudgel and tried to, you know, big uh, editorials and so on, and quoted this, this uh, you know, this quack. Uh, <laughs> he might have been great in his field, but he was not very great with the crystal ball. However, uh, this, uh, did you know that, that that was said about radio? Well, then in 19, uh, the mid-20s, saw the next big hoopla about uh, the new thing that was about to happen. About the mid-twenties, airplanes began to fly over America. And uh, that was a big issue. Immediately, people leaped up in Congress and tried to ban air flights. They wanted to ban the airplane. Did you know that was, there was an attempt to ban, completely ban, making airplanes? And you know what the basis of it was? Well, that we did not know what sound that upper atmosphere would do and uh, there was one scientist who proved that the sound at a certain, if you got above 8,000 feet, that the sound would reverberate in layers of air and caused a tremendous crushing, ultimately a tremendous crushing explosion of sound which would kill livestock for millions of miles around. Everyone knows that a Jenny with an OH-4 engine is an evil. It's obviously going to do that. And they believed this. There's a lot of people who got behind that one. Did you know that? I'm giving you a history of the opposition against various uh, technical advances in the country. So that was a big issue. Well, of course, the airplane you can't it didn't wasn't banned and it didn't didn't do that. And there was also another group of people who felt that, uh, that if they let the airplanes fly, that very shortly people would die of pollution from the airplanes. They said, well, you know, if an airplane's flying two or three hundred miles, obviously there's uh, all kinds of things that's going to be, you know, to be frank with you. There's toilets and everything aboard these airplanes, right? Well, where's all this stuff going to go? Well, ultimately people... <laughs> and they, they believed that, that this would happen. And there were cartoons that showed airplanes flying over town and the town is deluged with bad stuff. And uh, they also said that people would die continually, that by the year 1950, if airplanes were allowed to fly, something like 15,000 people would die a day with airplanes falling on them. And that was believed. It was really believed by serious people. And scientists proved that it was true, too. So then in, uh, in 19, the next big issue that was joined, you're curious, all these things are fascinating because they, they have a long, involved history, these beliefs. But in the mid-1920s up through the 30s, the America began to get electricity. Up to that point, the, the electricity had only been in mo some major cities, but then they began to put high-tension wires across the country, and rural areas began to get things like uh, kerosene. You know, they had kerosene lamps, and they had uh, little uh, local heating and lighting things in various cities. Well, then they began to put high-tension wires at which point, of course, they put 30,000 volts. 
Well, there was a tremendous uprise, a hue and cry, that a house wired with electricity, now this may sound absolutely, totally kooky to you, that a house wired with electricity radiates pernicious magnetic waves. That the electrical wiring in your house radiates magnetic waves which would affect the brain. And a scientist wrote an involved book on the effect of magnetic waves on the brain. The magnetic waves created by electrical wiring, which proved that there would be a tremendous onslaught of schizophrenia in America as soon as, <laughs> as, soon as the houses. And you know, this was a national, national uh, problem. People argued this thing back and forth. And there were people who got up in Congress and who got millions of people behind them trying to ban electricity. Especially cross-country high, you know, high tension wires like 30,000 volts. They said, this was terrible. You put 30,000 volts, I forget it. We're all going to die. And uh, this, was, this was another big issue. And it was a big issue in Congress. Now, the next... Uh, the, 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 is this boring you or is it curious with you? All right, the next big issue... Which this this has not stopped, you know. The next big issue was joined uh, roughly about in the in the mid 30s, and it was a, it was a big important thing that was everybody believed that this would happen, and uh, there were arguments pro and con, and uh, there were all kinds of they believed when the automobile became as prop as as popular as it did, the automobile didn't really start really hitting all over the country till the late 20s. Up to that point, uh, that it was a real big high. Uh, it was a luxury item, and it was sedately used, and was never used hardly ever for cross-country riding. It was uh, you know weren't cross-country roads. So by the mid 30s, when they began to put cross-country roads in, there was a tremendous wave. Again, medical opinion. There was a tremendous wave, and official scientific opinion, that because of the amount of cross-country driving people were going to do, and the vibration in cars that there would be an enormous advance in sterilization among women. And there would be tremendous waves of, uh, of uh, miscarriages because of riding in cars. And there, were, there, were, there was a big movement in Congress to ban cross-country driving as injurious to the health of people. And uh, this, is a <laughs> this is a big issue. So at every at every turn, whenever there's a whenever there's any kind of an advance, which of course is obviously going to happen, uh, they're not going to hold it back. There is a great hue and cry that rises up over that advance. Now, the most recent one happened in the late '40s, when television came out. TV began to go. Well, there was. Do you, how many of you remember that there were great? Hoopla and hue and cry. Books were written on it. I know one guy that reviewed it on the air and got tremendous excitement. There were books written that the that the mysterious ultra high frequency it was related to radar. See, they always they always uh, coupled TV with radar, and uh, because many of the advances and the techniques in the radar world had been used in creating uh, television, ultra high frequency techniques and so on, and uh, to the lay mind somehow radar and television were somehow related. It was a big involvement. And everybody knew that radar transmitted these high-frequency signals. See? So in the late 40s and early 50s, it was a big scare that swept the country that radar, the television sets caused cancer. You recall that? 
Yeah, see, now it's beginning to come back that they were, and that the, that not, if you sat too close to the screen, it also would ruin your eyes. There was a great belief that the, that the color of the screen destroyed the cornea of the eye and caused all kinds of problems with the optic nerve. And they used to have articles, many papers, the Times, all of them, had hours, our articles about how many hours of television viewing are safe for various corneas and stuff. And it was a whole big issue. And again, it was joined in Congress that they should ban this thing, that obviously uh, people's, uh, you know, their eyeballs are going to drop out and uh, they're going to be sterile and everything else from television. And they're all going to get cancer from TV. Well, each advance has seen a wave. Now, do you remember just a few months ago, the color TV scare? That's the most recent. See, and it's always some evil disease. Whatever the evil disease around, it's always related to this new thing. Well, uh, <laughs> there, there are there, the, the fear of electricity and the fear of, uh, of electronics and science is deeply in, in, ingrained in the lay person. And he can be told almost anything about it uh, because of his fears of it. Uh, people are so afraid. Uh, how many times have you heard people say, uh, look out for live wires? Oh, my mother's whole big thing. She says, oh, be careful. There's a live wire. And we'd be just looking at a little piece of, uh, you know, bar- bailing wire. She says, oh, don't touch it. It's, it's maybe you're going to get a shock. Live wire. Well, it's almost like a mystical belief that, that uh, things can destroy and they, because, uh, you know, they can create and destroy. So now we're going through the whole supersonic thing. Well, I can remember just a few years ago when, uh, when the first jets were about to fly. There was a great a lot hue and cry about people writing in the in the you know in the magazines and everything that the that the speeds that the jets would fly at would be injurious to health and that quite possibly the human body couldn't take those those uh, speeds. They said, Well do you realize that they'll be traveling at five hundred miles an hour? An old lady traveling at five hundred miles an hour. When my Aunt M can't go over fifteen miles an hour in the car and she gets sick. 550 miles an hour. What is it? Do you remember those those articles? And everybody seriously believed that the that the jet. Many people did. There, and there were again, there was a movement in Congress to ban jet aircraft. Uh, that they were injurious to health, and that they were obviously going to. They were. They were. Why? They, I, I remember one congressional guy got up and said, "Why? Everyone knows what is what is a jet plane." Says all of you fired firecrackers. You know what a firecracker is. You know what happens when you break a firecracker open, you light it, and that that uh, flame and smoke comes out of there? Well, that's all a jet plane is. It's a rocket. That's it. It's a rocket. And what happens to rockets? Well, many of them blow up, and people are going to be blowing up and falling away. This is only because the evil profiteers, blah, blah. He goes on, and a lot of people bought it because the, the concept of what makes a jet plane go is mysterious to people. They think it's strange. It's like a, it's like a skyrocket or something in... And uh, they don't, you know, they don't know anything about a jet engine, what uh, what thrust and what's involved in a jet engine, and how safe it really is, and how simple it really is, basically. And so it's a mysterious thing. So uh, there was a belief, uh, uh, not, and it was connected with that, that people who travel too much in jet planes would eventually have very bad digestive problems. Now where that came about, I don't know, but there was a belief that at one time if you travel in jets too much, that the high speeds would compress your digestive system something, huh? somehow. And there was a book written on that, which I heard people talk about. So now we're in the middle of another one, say. And, uh, but uh, now, it's, it's now, the only difference between then and now is that these people can get national publicity instantly. And they're usually good performers. So, uh, big difference. But the, the syndrome remains the same. Ban it. 
if if you don't understand it, ban it. Is the uh, is the uh, basic uh, is the basic philosophy. Now I'm not saying anything in favor of supersonic planes or or that. Uh, I'm just merely saying that this is an old story and it goes back. It goes back to Galileo. In fact, uh, when it when it turned out that Galileo could see others, you know, could see stars in his telescope, that was unbelievable, and uh, they were round. And uh, furthermore, he could prove by looking through the telescope that the Earth wasn't what they had thought it was. Uh, that was, uh, you know, that was magic and evil right there. And, and it, dire, you know, the dire uh, events were predicted as a result of the invention of the telescope. In fact, they predicted because of the telescope, world catastrophes would result. That, uh, that man's belief in his, the centrality of the Earth and the, uh, the ascendancy of man over the rest of the world would be would be uh, threatened, and religions would topple, and uh, international wars would result. Well, maybe they were right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but the, but the facts are the the only thing that the, that the argument here is that banning something never works. That uh, that banning something just doesn't work, uh, especially if it's a if it's a technical or and a scientific creation. It just doesn't work. It's as simple as that. And uh, anybody who feels that they can ban something uh, is not aware that there's a big world out there. And that banning something here does not prevent the rest. There's no way for America to ban the ja- the supersonic plane. It, it, uh, it can wind up by saying, we, we're not going to enter the 21st century. That's it. We're just not going to have anything to do with it and let them all fly around us. And uh, this is, in effect, what has happened to some countries in the past that various second-class countries began by being first-class countries, among them Phoenicia, among them uh, Italy at one point. And uh, when, they began, when they began to, uh, to attempt to control the massive changes of, uh, of events that occur in the world around them without any relationship to their own particular capitals is when the world began to simply move past them. It's okay, Rome. That's the way it's going to be. We're going to start hanging around London, and uh, <laughs> the center of the world shifted from Rome to another part of the world. It's simple as that. And uh, it, uh, they've been selling dirty postcards ever since. That's about all you can do then at that point. And so uh, this uh, this is a fascinating thing. And I, I've been uh, you know hearing all this talk now again. Whenever you uh, whenever you seem to be for the, the mere fact that I'm pointing out that there's a historical precedent for this this uh, fight, you know, uh, makes it sound well. Make it sound like a lot of people. I thought Shepard was liberal. Interestingly enough, the liberals today are the banners. Uh, I, sh- I thought Shepard was liberal, and uh, well, I am. And uh, I thought Shepard is, is Shepard against uh, you know is he is he for the wrecking of our environment? No, I'm not. I'm just discussing whether or not it is possible to ban something. That's all. It's not a matter whether Shepard's for the environment or not, whether you're for uh, automobiles or not, or whether you're for clean environment. It has nothing to do with the, the efficacy of banning. So if you say prohibition does not work, you cannot ban liquor from a country, doesn't mean that you're a drunk. Nor does it mean you're for drinking. It means that prohibition doesn't work. Uh, let's see. We have great we have great Shanghai here, and uh, and, uh, and and incidentally, if if, uh, if you once accept that premise that prohibition doesn't work, you're going to hurt yourself by trying to ignore it. In short, uh, there's going to be supersonic planes built, and they're built. And that's the end of it. 
Uh, Great Shanghai, don't worry about it. Uh, they're up at 103rd and Broadway. And the one thing that's not being banned these days is wonton soup. And uh, you'll find that wonton soup, you know, this wonton soup is still uh, bringing the roses to your cheeks and the blush to your eye. And, uh, by the way, on Sunday from 11 to 3, now since the holiday thing is all settled down, uh, their big Chinese brunch is still in effect. And uh, their Chinese brunch is infamous. I mean famous. And uh, from uh, <laughs> from 11 to 3, you can stuff down as much of their fantastic uh, Great Shanghai brunch Chinese food that you want for two bucks and a half. And if you're if you're a kid, four feet tall or under, you get in for half price. So uh, no no question on how wide you are. That doesn't matter. That's a Great Shanghai at 103rd and Broadway. And uh, you know I think I think today uh, one more, if I may add another asterisk to this comment about the about the supersonic plane. We're 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 in a kind of curious situation today philosophically that if you if you tend to point out the reality of a situation people tend to think you're somehow evil or you're for the bad things and uh, you know there's nobody who digs a cleaner environment more than I do but also on the other hand uh, I don't think it has much to do with banning the supersonic transport because it will be and the things that louse up an atmosphere are not minor things like that. Uh, <laughs> there's millions of people running stereo amplifiers, for example, using endless kilowatts of electricity. Millions of people listening to radios, right like you're doing now, using up endless kilowatts of electricity. Millions of people using electric can openers, using up endless kilowatts of electricity. Millions of people driving down to the A&P. This is the stuff that ultimately destroys your atmosphere. Not a plane that goes over once every four hours. <laughs> and uh, and yet we all fight. You, you find people... You know that, that there's more pollutants done in the world by the generation of electricity than any other single element? And electricity is what you surround... The average kid who's sitting there singing a song about ecology into his... Uh, into his uh, <laughs> into his amplifier system is doing more to louse up the ecology than a guy driving cross-country in his pinto. So, you know, where does it stop? <laughs> or does it? Choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo. <laughs> 